What's up, everybody? Noah Alvarez here with another episode of the Podfathers Podcast. And on this episode, Jacob Fanshawe and I go over the wild card weekend in the NFL past weekend. And we go over our picks in the divisional round, kind of break down each matchup again, sort of like we did on the last episode. Also, on this episode, we go over the College Football National Championship. Clemson defeated Alabama 44-16, in which was a kind of surprising performance from Alabama. You don't really see that from a Nick Saban coach team, but we kind of break down what impressed us the most. And we open up the conversation with a fun conversation of Spotify versus Apple Music. I know a lot of you people out there listen to music. Obviously, the two services, the two music services, have a lot of fans on both sides. And we've seen a lot on Twitter, kind of one side making fun of the other. So we thought it'd be a fun little conversation that we have at the beginning of this podcast episode. As always, we are on SoundCloud.com, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. So be sure to like, follow, share, and subscribe to us. And leave us a review when you can. We are always trying to improve. And the way we could do that is with you leaving a review. Also, we don't talk about it on the show, but did want to update you on some of the NFL head coaching vacancies that got filled in the past week. It is January 9th, and today Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears, became the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and Freddie Kitchens, the the interim offensive coordinator at the Cleveland Browns, he becomes the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, and just a couple days ago, Bruce Arians came out of retirement and he will coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It'll be interesting to see if he can work his quarterback guru magic with the, uh, the big question mark, Jameis Winston, at the quarterback over there in Tampa Bay. Then you also had Cliff Kingsbury. He was hired from USC to head coach the Arizona Cardinals, and that's kind of a surprising decision. They let go of Steve Wilkes after one year with a rookie quarterback, a really bad offensive line, and just a bad roster in general. And you're going to give Cliff Kingsbury a coach who had Patrick Mahomes and a lot of other talented quarterbacks at Texas Tech and couldn't even win his conference. So, interesting to see how that works out. And then the Green Bay Packers, they went with offensive coordinator from the Tennessee Titans, Matt LaFleur, and he will be the head, the next head coach of the Green and Gold. So it'll be interesting to see how he can work with Aaron Rodgers and get that team back to the playoffs after an absence in 2018. Again, I'm Noah Alvarez. Hope you enjoy the conversation I had with Jacob Fanshawe. Apple Music or Spotify? You were telling me on Twitter before the show that a lot of people on um, Apple Music make fun of Spotify and a lot of people on Spotify make fun of Apple Music. What do you use and what's your preference? I use Apple Music because, well, I bought my first iPhone. It's like an iPhone 5, if we're being honest, 5S maybe. It's a bit older. It's actually very old in comparison to what's going on now. But Apple Music, I enjoy. I enjoy Apple Music because I think it's very sleek. The design mm-hmm. is very sleek. It's very fluid. I, and I think what I like most about Apple Music, and I think this was... This has to be a recent update because I didn't remember when I first got my phone is. is when you go to an artist's page, they have their top songs. Right. And then under that, they have the albums listed, just the albums. And then they have the singles and EPs, which is, I like that. They differentiate between albums and EPs and singles because those mm-hmm. are different. Of course. And it reduces the clutter. And then they, they go one step further. They give you compila- um, compilations. And then they, then they can get one step farther and give you live albums. I right. think that's so cool. They break this all down. It's like, if you want to listen to this, and then if it's like... Say it's like Michael Jackson who did all these things. There's music videos, there's interviews. There's, mm-hmm. It's just Apple Music puts a lot of time and effort into the artist and what they show you. And I love, call me a geek or call me whatever you want. I love reading the artist bios. Oh, and yeah. they're getting the a artists. lot longer now. Oh, yeah, they're extremely long. They're mm-hmm. extremely extensive. And the album descriptions yes. are extremely like 
it, I really enjoy them because I feel they can give you a snapshot of what the album is, and it's it's cool, you know. Not many. I feel like a few years ago they didn't do that. I remember when Damn released from Kendrick Lamar, they had a little album description, but it was maybe like two small paragraphs. And now yeah. I was reading uh, Meek Mill's Championships album review or his little album bio, and that thing was like six whole paragraphs, and they were long. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. So it was very in detail, and I. I think like any Apple product, Apple Music is very user friendly. That's the biggest yes, advantage of Apple yes, Music. Yes, it's very, it's just very fluid. Everything works. If I say, say I were an Apple product only kind of guy, you know, the music that I have on my MacBook is on my iPhone, mm-hmm. on my iPhone, on my Apple Watch. Like it's very, you know, Spotify, it, it's cool and it's an app that if you buy the premium, you know, you could take it anywhere just as well. Mm-hmm. But I just feel that with Apple Music it's right there like it's any Apple product has Apple Music already loaded onto it Spotify mm. is a is an, it's a third party app that you right. have to download which doesn't lessen it but Spotify does have its advantages over Apple Music though because I hear a lot of people talk about the curated playlist yes. from Spotify and they have some of them are very cool mm-hmm. and I think Apple could take a page or two from learning from that but I think overall, if we're talking, if you love music and you love learning about the music that you're listening to or experiencing new artists, Apple Music is the way to go because they mm-hmm. have just so much stuff on the artist's page. They even have things like deeper cuts where they find hidden gems from albums that aren't listened to as much. Mm-hmm. They have influences. They have uh, inspirations by, you know, inspiration inspired by Michael Jackson, yeah. uh, influenced by Pink Floyd. And it's so cool because it's like, oh, damn, like my favorite one of another band that I like, they were influenced by this band. And, and it's just, it's really cool to see that lineage and that tree spread from some of your greatest bands uh, around time and history. And I don't know. I'm I'm a big sucker for history. So I like reading about my music and the artist and the meaning behind their music and so and such. And I think mm. Apple provides a perfect uh, platform to do that. But Spotify beats them in the in the sense of with the genius, like the whole thing between behind the lyrics and mm-hmm. all that. So it's, it's really hard. Yes. But I, they go toe for toe. Yes. But we started off, you started off this conversation with what would I prefer? Mm-hmm. Right now, if if I had the if I had to make that payment again, I think I would go. I think I'd go uh, Apple mm-hmm. right now. But I've been heavily leaning towards Spotify of late, just because I want that. I want that option to be given new music, and that's where Apple falters badly. Yes. They, they give me the you same. You have to mixes. search for it yourself. Yes, and sometimes I don't know what I'm looking for. You know, mm-hmm. like I know, hey, I like this James Brown sound. But I don't know if I like funk and soul so much to where I want to listen to every funk and soul artist. Right. You get me? And I feel Spotify would be like, hey, you like James Brown? Well, here's 30 other artists that are similar in his style that you're probably going to like. And I feel it would be great for exploring and discovering new music right off the bat. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give Spotify that edge. I think that's the cool thing about like Apple Music is that if I want to listen to my music, I can listen to my music. You don't have to listen to a station kind of built around you. Yeah. And sometimes every once in a while, it, like on a Spotify station or Pandora too, you know, you get a song in there that you don't like, but it's kind of suggested to be based on the artist that you selected or based on the song that you selected, and you kind of end up skipping it. But in, for the most part, if it's your music and you're downloading music on Apple Music, you're going to tend to listen to it because you obviously download it and obviously like it. Um, but my biggest thing with Spotify, and I have a fr- the, the, just the free one. I don't have a subscription to Spotify, but I'm thinking about it just because you're right. The lap, the the rap genius lyrics or the, just the lyrics in general, they have them on Spotify. I love the curated playlist. I don't yeah. have a curated playlist, but I saw everyone posting it at the 2018. Yeah, that their, was so cool. Their most listened to 2018 songs and artists, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, I would love to see Apple Music incorporate something like that, so just to see how much of people I listen to or how many times this song was played. What were my most played songs of the year? You know, Because yeah. I had a lot of songs that I liked, but what did I play the most? Yeah. And kind of give me a statistical breakdown of what I played. And then also 
you're right. Like there are some times where you are looking for new music, and I do listen to Spotify because I found that Apple Music doesn't carry a lot of mixtapes, and Spotify does carry a lot of mixtapes mm-hmm. from okay. rappers and artists that I tend to listen to. Some of the older stuff they have on mixtape is more on Spotify than Apple Music, but. What I liked about that is I, you know, because I do have the free trial, I can't listen to the whole mixtape all the way through. They throw in some suggestions of other similar artists oh, and others. Cool. It isn't cool sometimes, but then I've I've recently discovered music and I've ended up downloading songs right. on Apple Music okay. that it was cool because I know I listen to Casey Veggies and one of his mixtapes, Life Changes, is on Spotify, not Apple Music, and I know every time listening to that mixtape you know, a Dom Kennedy song will be suggested or a Rocky Fresh song will be suggested, and I like those artists because they're very similar to. Casey Veggies and that sound and they do a lot of collaborations with him so I think that's why they're suggesting right. it but it's their own song and sometimes you just learn on different things I mean they suggested some Nipsey Hussle some Dash and Wretch so I mean I've, I've come across some new music that I never would have before because of those stations and because of those like playlists that suggest similar artists and similar songs I think it's cool I think when it comes to Apple as we've seen with other Apple features remember how long people were asking for group FaceTime mm-hmm. and eventually within I think with a new phone or new update they implemented it I think it's just going to come down to the users and how many users really want that i feel a lot of apple users are in the minority of kind of asking for curated playlists Mm -hmm. like a lot of it's just complaining about what apple already provides it's not really like hey give us something a little more closer to spotify although i think as a whole anybody could agree the end of the year in review is just really cool because a whole year passes like who's keeping track of the music they're listening to and how many times they're exactly someone's doing it for you yeah (laughs) so the fact that spotify gets to do that and then Apple doesn't have that. It's kind of cool, you know, and I guess it's a leg up. But if we're being honest in this argument, or it's not really even an argument because it's they're so evenly toe-to-toe. And you both mm-hmm. pay five bucks a month if you're a student. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I mean, it's really whichever you prefer. If you prefer Spotify and what they offer. And I do have to admit, though, I think Apple has more remastered versions of albums. Which, right. Again, I think Apple. Like, I think Apple will always take the cake as far as music. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you seen what they've got for the Beatles? Like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous on how much they've got for some of the artists. Like for Led Zeppelin, it, it's like multiplied the albums times two because every other album they got is remastered of mm-hmm. the same album. And depending on if you're a music purist and how you feel about remastered and all that, you know, hubbub and discussion, mm-hmm. you, you can argue that one is better than the other. But for the most part, I think Apple has a leg up in music. Uh, size the scope of their library but spotify has the leg up on just kind of overall keeping you i want to say uh keeping it fresh and keeping Mm -hmm. it interesting and you know and while apple music is a little bit more user friendly as far as music i do enjoy that spotify as far as podcasts it's on the same app you just search up podcasts in the same app where apple music you have to go to apple podcast it's a whole it's a two different app type of thing and it kind of to me, it's not that big of a house, but I can see to some other people where it's like, oh, well, I'm just listening to music. I can quickly look up a podcast on Spotify without having to close the app. Where on Apple Music users, they have to close the app and go on Apple Podcasts. And sometimes if you don't have the space on your iPhone, you can delete some of the older apps that you don't necessarily use. And if you do delete Apple Podcasts, it's kind of a hassle to kind of, you know, re-download it if you want to listen to something. So it's I like that Spotify incorporates both podcasts and music on the same Wow, I had I didn't even know Spotify was hosting podcasts. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's that's really cool. Actually, yeah, they're starting. I, like I said, they're Man, starting. I might download that just for the podcast because <laughs> you are right. It is an annoyance to have a specific podcast app mm-hmm. on the Apple phone. Jeez, wow. Well, today I learned. Today I learned, and we're always learning something new. And on the topic of learning something new, we learned a little bit about the uh, defending national championships. Yes, we did. National champs in Alabama, and maybe that. Maybe uh, they're not this big beast. Juggernaut. That can, yeah, juggernaut that we all thought them to be because Dabo Sweeney essentially 
out-sabined Nick Saban. Yeah, it seemed like Clemson was the Alabama in the matchup on Monday night in the national championship um, to end kind of a a disappointing college football season. We won't get into that too much, but I remember thinking or talking with you on New Year's Day when we're watching some of the New Year's Day's games that this college football season, it just seemed like who was going to play Bama. It almost turned into like an NBA season where who was what each Eastern Conference team is going to play the Warriors. And this year it turned into which team from whatever conference, one of the Power Five school conferences, obviously, is going to play Alabama. And that's what it turned into. And going into the game, it seemed like there was a lot of hype, and it seemed like Bama was still the favorite team, and Bama was this unstoppable divas. And Tua, you know, he's coming off his injury, but he seemed like he was very fluid in the college football semifinal game. And just the whole team and him himself, he didn't really show up. And I think that gives a lot of props. Like you said, Clemson out bama Bama. You mentioned it to me before the show, Clemson only had one penalty. That's the first team to do that since the 2012 Alabama, technically, the national championship team um, when they defeated LSU Tigers um, in that game. But that's crazy. The only one penalty. They played very disciplined ball. They had zero turnovers, Clemson did. They played very smart football, and that's what you need. You have to play a perfect game to beat Alabama, and they, they walloped them. It was 44-16. to It wasn't even close. They did, but I think I want to... I want to point out specifically some of the key things that I feel usually when Alabama's rolling, it showcases. And Alabama has been for these last five, six years, uh, tailback you in a sense. So they've just put out power running back after power running back. Well, Najee Harris, he only had 11 carries and only 59 yards. Didn't score once. I mean, for Clemson, for Brett Venables to not only key in on Tua and his athleticism and his ability to create plays where there may be nothing or where there might be nothing mm-hmm. and then for Najee Harris to be bottled up like that I mean defensively as you said you know the one penalty is very impressive but you really have to give credit to just how well prepared Clemson like just the game plan mm-hmm. you know was basically stymie Tua stymie the entire offense and that's it Mm-hmm. You know, they made Alabama one-dimensional. Yeah, and and that's never been done before, yeah, especially in the exactly, Saban era. Exactly, and it's just almost kind of, uh, it makes you wonder, you know, like is what is Nick Saban losing his touch, or is this, this Clemson just a great team? And I think you have to, Clemson Clemson deserves the respect. Of course, and I it, think you tip your cap to Dabo Sweeney and his entire coaching yes. staff, not only for the game plan going into the game, but matching the recruits, because in the past five years, Clemson, or Alabama's only lost four times. We haven't seen a lot of God. colleges. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jesus. Amazing. Hearing stats. you say that is pretty wild. <laughs> we haven't seen a lot of colleges that'll be able to keep up with the recruiting classes because obviously the Alabama offensive line are much bigger than just your generic offensive line in college. The defensive line and the linebackers are so much more athletic and so much bigger and stronger. The safeties are basically grown men, but they're 18, 19 year olds. So the recruiting classes are different. But in order for Clemson to get to that point and competing with Bama and playing. And then in the three uh, in the three college football playoffs the fa- the past four years, you know it's so it speaks a lot of Dabo Sweeney's able to re- ability to recruit and he hit the home run with these two freshmen that were came up big in the college football championship game on Monday night. Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, twenty and thirty two, three hundred forty seven yards, three touchdown and no turnovers. And then Justin Ross, the receiver, yes, the freshman, both freshmen by mm-hmm. the way. You got six, to recep- no- six receptions for one hundred fifty three yards. I mean, he made some pretty incredible catches in traffic by all means too, near the sideline. He had a really a impressive one handed catch too. Mm-hmm. So both those freshmen are really phenomenal, and not often do you see a freshman at any school do really good against Alabama because Nick Saban is known for game planning. Essentially, Saban is is the Bill Belichick of the college football world. He game plans accordingly. He makes 
rookies and freshmen make rookie mistakes and freshman mistakes. And so I think a lot of that, like you said, has to go to the coaching staff, Dabo Sweeney, and the defensive coordinator and the defensive staff in general and confusing Tua. Because I think Tua, he has a lot of confidence in his arm, but he was really confused. Definitely you could see it, especially in the second half after throwing those two interceptions. He was really confused on the coverages that Clemson was throwing at him. It was a fun, it was a fun game to watch just to see Tua's reaction because he looked completely A little stymied. rattled. He actually for once looked like a kid and not a in a superhuman mm-hmm. being. Yes. But and I think this is I think this is what sums up the night for Alabama or Clemson really and how they bottled up Alabama offensively is Alabama averaged four for thirteen on third down efficiency. Okay, total yards four eighty two, Bama four forty four, so they're pretty evenly matched total yards. But that right there is the key. Four for thirteen on third down conversions. Yeah, and you know what Clemson Much was? of the tides yes sir. Ten for fifteen. 10, yeah, they were ten for fifteen. That's incredible. Much of the tide success offensively that we've seen in these past couple of years within this dynasty has had to do with Bama never uh wasting downs. Right, they're executing when exactly. they need to. Always executing and always had good down third down proficiencies. Clemson took that away, took away the third down. They could they couldn't move the ball, became one dimensional in the sense of they made two a pass, and the moment they made two a pass is the moment that their secondaries, or basically that secondary, could keep up with what was arguably a relatively young Alabama wide receiving core. Jerry Judy, the Blitnikoff Award winner, didn't ha- didn't have himself as big of a game as I would have thought he was going to have because mm-hmm. there were weaknesses in that Clemson secondary that had been pointed out in the pregames. And Judy only had 139 yards and a touchdown, so I expect him to kind of have... I mean, I guess some people would hear that and say he had a pretty decent uh, game, but, you know, for Alabama standard, I would have expected better. But overall, though, as you said, to bring it full circle, though, I really like how it comes down to recruiting, and it it speaks on Dabo Sweeney's ability to recruit just as much of the likes of John Harbaugh and Urban Meyer alongside Nick Saban. So Mm -hmm. I, I think... Sweeney has definitely earned the respect of not only the press, because the press is probably going to put Clemson as number one. Oh, most But definitely. that's probably going to fuel Alabama's hate, and they're probably going to go on a terror next year, and they're right. going to win the national championship. Of course. You, Nick Saban never handles losses well, and especially because it's a national championship yeah. loss. He's going to have the whole offseason and basically the whole yeah. preseason to kind of plan for that. And you know he's already thinking revenge next time, but obviously he has to get there first. But, yeah, definitely Nick Saban is not – the guy you expect to lose twice. So it's going to be an interesting, you know, these two teams are probably going to likely meet each other again in the college football playoff, whether it's the semifinals or the championship, but a job well done to Clemson to wrap up the 2018 college football year. Yes, sir. Absolutely guaranteed. So moving on to the NFL, (laughs) unfortunately for us, Trevor Lawrence still has two more years of college eligibility before he can come into the NFL, but it was a wild card weekend. And what a weekend it was. Starting with Saturday's games, the Colts defeated the Texans 21-7, and that was a fun game, but I think it didn't live up to a lot of people's expectations, mainly because it showed Colts were really dominant in that game. I think not a lot of people expected that. I didn't expect that. In the preview show, I thought the Colts were going to edge out the Texans, but it was going to be a close game. There was a statistic before the game. Deshaun Watson, since high school, has never lost a game by more than seven points. So every game that he's lost to, it's always been really competitive. So this 14-point loss that he suffered against the Colts on Saturday, that was his largest loss since high school. So that's pretty incredible. Wow. Um, It's funny that you said that about wasn't people's expectations. Because I went into the game, I expected the Colts to win. Because I thought, look, the Colts are hot. They had won seven of their last six, or six of their last seven games going into that. Mm -hmm. Andrew Luck finally had shown resurgency, and he looked like old Andrew Luck. They actually could afford to protect him. That mm-hmm. offensive line is not protecting Zero Andrew sex. Luck. 
Yes. And Quentin Nelson is just an absolute beast. I mean, oh. that dude that dude is making highlight reels on Twitter for being a lineman. That's very impressive. I know. I know you can't give a Rookie of the Year award to a lineman, but, man, if he, if there was one exception, I hope Quentin Nelson Quentin would be Nelson. that guy. <laughs> Get the nod. But overall, Andrew Luck, I went into this game expecting it to be – I expected the Colts to win, but I expected a shootout. I did not expect such a defensively stout Indianapolis Colts team. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. But that was the biggest surprise. Yeah, I think a bigger surprise than Andrew Luck's performance mm-hmm. because I knew he had been resurgent and he had been hot. But again, this is Andrew Luck's first playoff game in what? How many years? One year. One year. Yeah, no, yeah, whole, that's right. He's only he been out for all, a year. Well, he skipped a year yeah, and a yeah, half. Yeah. But I mean, well, this is big in a sense. Remember, he couldn't even throw a football halfway through the season. He yes. was throwing Nerf footballs, and now he threw for two hundred twenty-two yards, two touchdowns, and only one interception in a wild card game. And they're probably going to go on to beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Hot pick. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't. To me, there there are, there are various storylines in this game going in. It was the Colts on their win streak or hot streak, almost like the Ravens, and Andrew Luck's passing performance or quarterback playoff performance. And both delivered for me, and I enjoyed the game. I was happy. And that was a theme for a lot of teams going into this playoffs because the Chargers, the Ravens, the Colts, and the Texans were all teams that were really hot. You could even say the Seahawks and the Cowboys were teams that were on hot streaks where they've won you know, more games than they have not, and they've only lost a, a one game down the stretch. And the Texans were another team where I thought it was interesting. Both these teams started off the year one and three, and they both ended up making out the playoffs. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to the Colts' defense. They held Watson to 29 of 49 throwing the ball. They sacked him three times. They only gave up, they forced him to throw one interception, and they only held Lamar Miller to 18 rushing yards. The team did finish with, I think, 79 rushing yards, but a lot of that came on Deshaun Watson's legs, and they weren't design runs. So they be they, you were speaking of what making Alabama one dimensional. The Colts made the Texans one dimensional. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the defensive line of Jabal Sheard and the linebacking core led by Darius Leonard to do that to a Texans offense that's pretty high powered. I mean, I thought Watson compared with Lamar Miller or co- combined with Lamar Miller and combined with DeAndre Hopkins, I thought that was going to be offense to be reckoned with. And that defense really stood stout from the front seven to the back end. You had a lot of good quarter play by Kenny Moore and Clayton Geithers. I mean. All around, great defensive play, and you mentioned it. I, I think we can get a divisional round game later, but I think they have a really good shot at beating the Kansas City Chiefs next weekend. <laughs> Moving yeah. on to the uh, the Saturday night game, the Cowboys <laughs> defeated the Seahawks 24-22. to That was a lot of fun, too. The Seahawks made a, a comeback attempt late in the game, and that's something we saw a lot during this postseason. But the Cowboys kind of stood stout, and we saw a lot from Dak Prescott that we hadn't seen before. Well, the Cowboys are also helped by incredibly uh, ticky-tack pass interference calls, I mm-hmm. argue. I mean, there were, there were two mainly at the end of the game, two mm-hmm. mainly that I felt were one was justified, like, okay, yeah, he was he was holding his left arm, you know, prevented him from catching the ball. And the other was I felt the wide receiver got tripped up on his legs and the yeah, defender just happened to be in that in the vicinity and it was kind of just a bang-bang play that looked like he kind of got pushed. Mm-hmm. And that basically set the Cowboys up, if I'm not mistaken, on like the five-yard five, five yard line going in right. and Prescott fed Ezekiel Elliott, and I use the word fed because Elliott had 137 yards on the ground, mm-hmm. one touchdown, 26 carries. I mean, that's a workhorse load right there, man. And that's and, what he does. That's what he's expected out of the well, offense. That's, yeah, that's what prime Ezekiel Elliott does. Like, mm-hmm. No court distractions Ezekiel Elliott right. does, which scares me for next season mm-hmm. particularly because he's probably going to be ball out. But even more so, dude, the Seahawks probably should have won this game. Yes, they but had their chances. They they faltered. De- defensively, they faltered. Yes, they yes. faltered. They were, yes. I think offensively they faltered too because you mentioned those pass interference calls and I thought they got away with the pass interference on K.J. Wright's bobbling interception in the end zone, right? Looked like he got there split seconds too early. But when they on that offensive possession on the very next play, 
they had a stupid holding penalty, and then they had a uh, late hit call when the oh, God, DJ Fluker. Why did he do that? Exactly. He pushed Jalen Smith at the end of the play in the back. So that was another 15 yards after the play. So they kind of shot themselves in the foot, especially in the fourth quarter, with penalties on defense and offense. So I thought it was kind of a meltdown because Russell Wilson played good enough. I thought... I was really surprised at this Cowboys defense. The Cowboys defense held Chris Carson to only 32 yards, they as a t- or excuse me, only 20 yards. As a team, the Seahawks rushed for under 70 yards. So this was coming in, the Seahawks was like their main offensive game plan. It was to run the ball, and they weren't able to do so. So props to a lot of the Cowboys defense, too. Linebacker, rookie linebacker, Lightning Venderesh. We just mentioned Darius Leonard of the Colts. Venderesh is fun to watch. He flies around the field, man. Yeah, he's, he's a really good linebacker. He's almost in every other tackle but when you're watching that on TV, so it's very... He's a very enjoyable uh, player to watch. But I think the Cowboys are de- uh, definitely a scary threat, too, because in that last drive, in the drive that Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott needed to finish the game and kind of secure the ball game, because the defense did what it needed to to win, right? But in that last possession, both Zeke and Des Pre- Dak Prescott came up huge on a series of run plays continuously to getting first downs, and they were able to close the game. That's what you need. I mean, that's the team. That's what we saw lacking in those Cowboys teams for most of the 2000s, most of the 2010s, when Tony Romo was at the helm. He was unable to close games out. He would turn balls over. He'd make poor decisions, take sacks. And next thing you know, the Cowboys end up losing a game where it comes down to Des Bryant, whether he caught it or not. Or Not to get into all that, but I think Dak Prescott has a, a feature that Tony Romo lacked as far as closing ball games and being a clutch performer. And I think that bodes well for this Cowboys team. Well, we'll have to see how they fare under the bright lights of the LA Coliseum come Saturday evening because mm-hmm. that'll be a hell of a matchup with the star-studded lineups all across the board. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, how about Lamar Jackson's poor playoff showcase handling? I don't know if you blame it on the Ravens and the lack of protection they offered him, or maybe Lamar Jackson just wasn't ready. But I think... Ultimately, I do really want to discuss with you, and something I feel a lot of people have glossed over, why wasn't Joe Flacco put in once this game kind of began out of reach? It was 24, I want, no, it was 23. It uh, was 20 to 3 at one point. Okay, 20 to 3 at that one was point, going into the fourth, I want to say. Yeah, it was, it was 20 to 3 going into the fourth quarter. Um and it was a poor performance, I think, by the offensive in general. Yes. No, the abs- whole offense looked pre- unprepared for the first three quarters. <laughs> yes. While Lamar Jackson did look shitty, and he only had 17 passing yards. But this offense as a whole only had 64 total yards. It just seemed like, and I don't know if this is on Harbaugh or the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Well, not the defense coordinator. The defense played great. But it just seemed like they were kind of running the same offense. And when what I, I thought it was great play by the defensive coordinator of the Chargers as well because they lined up Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram inside, and that gave the guards a lot of trouble for the Ravens. Um, oh, my God, they looked terrible in pass protection, especially, like, I know the left guard, Marshall Yanda, probably gave up, like, four sacks alone. But Lamar Jackson ended up getting sacked seven, yard, uh, seven times this game. And you mentioned Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, I think a lot of people think because he won the Super Bowl that year with the Ravens, right? that he's just some sort of great quarterback that could come in and come halfway through the game. But we forget that Joe Flacco was 4-5 and five this season before Lamar Jackson took over. Lamar Jackson took over, and much like the hot streak that the Colts went on, Lamar Jackson basically powered this team down the stretch. They were 4-5, and five, and he was able to get them into the playoffs, win the AFC North. That's something that hasn't been done in a while for the Ravens because the Steelers have been owning that division of late. So I think Lamar Jackson, that's your offense. And yes, he's young. Yes, he was 21. He became the youngest quarterback to ever play in a college fo- or a pro football playoff game. But I think you got to trust your guy because what does it say 
if you're the head coach and you pull them after halftime because you're down 20 to three or be down whatever the score was at that time, I think it was 12 to zero at half. You got to trust your guy. You got to trust him through the ups and through the downs. And I think a lot of people were forgetting that Joe Flacco, he was a four and five quarterback. This guy's probably not going to be on the Ravens next year because he's probably at best a backup in the NFL now. I think he just doesn't have it. And I think this offense was so bad too. I don't know if you saw some of the receivers, but there was a few drops from the a receivers. A lot of drops. Not a few. A few yeah. is a misstatement. A lot <laughs> of drops. That was just a sloppily played game mm-hmm. on all sides of the ball. And you said defensively the Ravens did well. I mean, I think they did about as well as the Chargers allowed them to do because mm-hmm. the Chargers shot themselves in the foot a lot too. Yes. Rivers threw an interception. There was a few fumbles. Uh, yeah. yeah, there was a few fumbles. Virgil just, Green had that went. It was weird a fumble. sloppy play on the Chargers, and I think if the Chargers really put the pedal to the metal and were focused, scored halftime should have been twenty three zero. Yes, and much the like game this, could have been a blowout. Much like the Seahawks, the Ravens had their opportunities to come back. It yes. seemed like the Chargers wanted to kind of yes. choke again yes. and have that kind of moment. Which doesn't bode well for next week in Foxborough. No, it, do- it doesn't at all. But props to the Ravens for never giving up. I mean, like I said, they stuck with Lamar Jackson, and he came through at the end kind of on himself. He had a lot of key scrambles and hit receivers wide open that, that got open because of his scrambles. But I thought that defense played as tough as they could. I mean, they held them to four field goals in the first half. I thought it was just going to be a field goal game, and then the Chargers got that one yeah, touchdown. Yeah, they only limited Rivers to 160 yards, and, and no Melvin touchdowns. Melvin so. Gordon was held to under 50, so yeah. I think the Ravens' defense did as best as they could, like you said, as best as the Chargers allowed them to. It was kind of a sloppy game offensively from both teams, if we're being honest. Just both teams offensively couldn't really do much, and there was a lot of miscues. I mean, you had the blocked punt, the blocked field goal from... Multiple times. Th- yeah, from the Chargers' side. blocked punts, like what... Yeah. If you're a special teams coach, you there better have been some at least <laughs> a warming of the seat. Like, bro, we're we're entering a divisional round and we're still getting blocked punts. Like, right. Jesus Very Christ. uncharacteristic for some playoff teams. So I thought both teams looked kind of shaky, but at the end of the day, the Chargers were able to grind out that victory, like Lori Perez would say, the grind. And I think that was a grind out victory for. Uh, the Chargers in that game. Speaking of grind-out victories, how about them Eagles, huh? Mm. It's pretty grindy. The Nick Foles magic continues. Nick Foles magic, my ass. More like icing the kicker worked for once. Madden on all veteran, all Madden. Fucking the kicker <laughs> got shook. He didn't have that clutch. He didn't have that clutch trait at 99. I don't know what whatever Parky needed to do to get that clutch up to 99. He failed to do so. And what bothers me most about that missed kick is when he blew the whistle, I love when kickers still go through with it. You know, mm-hmm. build that confidence. You know, like, you can make that. He split it right through the uprights, and I thought, cool, mm-hmm. Bears are going to win. We're going to have ourselves a monster of a matchup uh, with, with in Nolens. You know, it's going to be Chicago and New Orleans, a mm-hmm. high-powered offense, stout defense. Right. It's going to be really fun. And no, instead we get the mediocre Limpin' Eagles. And, yes, I called them mediocre because Foles was sacked what he was sacked once for eight yards, but I still think he spent most of the game pressured and rolling out of the pocket. And once again, I don't think Foles is a good quarterback. I think he lacks consistency, and I think he's gotten hot at the right moments in time. That's Fight all you me. need. That's all you need, though. Yeah, that's fine, sure. But don't all you come need, at me that he's a good quarterback. All you need to do is get hot in the right moments. I mean, he got the team all the way to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl last year. This is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I think he has a lot of confidence in himself. I also think head coach Doug Peterson has a lot of confidence in Nick Foles. You said it was a lot of kind of on the kicker, but in that last drive where the Eagles had to drive down and score, he was able to not only connect on the touchdown, but connect on the two-point conversion as well. So, I mean, I thought it was a really good performance. As well, oh, actually, excuse me, they did not convert on a two-point conversion. My bad. They only, But they did drive down, get that touchdown to Golden Tate with that nice sidearm throw, defender right in his face. And so really I think nice. he can perform in the big moments. Obviously, the rest of the team has to kind of 
keep it close, and I think that's what they did. Because going into this matchup, you knew that the Chicago Bears offense was really young. Mitch Trubisky, Tariq Cohen, unproven. Jordan Trubisky Howard. Trubisky the most unproven on that offense. A lot of unproven, but he did well enough. He put this team in a situation to win, and it was kind of sad to see Cody Parkey's miss field goal. But I remember in the broadcast, and it was an NBC broadcast, Al Michaels kept bringing up that he was he had was tied for second most and missed field goals and a combination of extra points and field goals this year. I think it was nine total. So I, they kept showing that statistic, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're just jinxing this guy. They're just jinxing this guy. And, of course, the second time through, he hits both the upright and the crossbar, which has, like, never been done before because I remember I had to hit the upright. I saw it go down. I thought it hit the crossbar and went in. But then you saw the ball bounce at the, you know, the front of the end zone, and you knew it was no good. But... Oh my gosh, what a what of a series of events that game was. It was just a lot of fun all the way down to the wire. And I think a lot of people discredit the Eagles, but remember, a lot of people discredit the Eagles last postseason when Nick Carson Wentz got hurt. And they had a lot of injuries too, Jason Peters, a lot of players on their defensive end. Kind of like this year, and Nick Foles was able to carry this team as an underdog through the whole playoffs and eventually win the Super Bowl. Well, uh, just side note, you know the NFL did change the it was to a block kick. So right, they did show I, that. I video. wonder how much of that impact that had on the kick, mm-hmm. you know itself. But overall, you know, kickers to be a kicker to live and die by the kick. I, I'll 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 tell it to you best, and I think it was uh from one of the '90s Bills teams. I think it was Jim Kelly or maybe yeah. So somebody else that said it best is. You should never be in that position anyways. Right. You know, yes, blame the kicker. You know, he did miss the kick, and it's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, had you played to your highest ability, or mm-hmm. not highest ability, had you played to your fullest potential and, you know, balled out and didn't make as many mistakes, maybe you wouldn't have been in the position where you needed to rely on a kicker. And right. remember, they had just gotten within five yards of Parkey's uh, range, which, again, questionable play-calling decisions, I feel, on Peterson's end, is they didn't run the ball. It was, I think, they had no timeouts left. Matt Nagy's. Excuse me, Matt Nagy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Got a few Peterson's, yeah, Nagy, Eagles. Nagy didn't run the ball, which surprised me because they didn't have any timeouts left. Mm-hmm. But Trubisky had just completed a pass. Mm-hmm. Chains stopped to move, or clock stopped to move the chains. I would have honestly run a quick draw, or not even a quick draw, uh, quick power right up the gut. Mm-hmm. Get five, get whatever yards you can just get to make that kick that yards. much closer. Next, spike it, and there you go on fourth kick it. I, I, to me, that just I didn't like how they handled it. It seemed very mishap. It seemed They're, had Peterson not called that timeout. I don't know if you would have made that kick to begin with in the first place because it seemed like everyone was like, oh, shit, like the time is running. Yeah. Trubisky did a poor job of getting everyone to the line in the previous two-minute drive. It, it just seemed overall they were, Nagy and company was kind of unprepared for the game to come down to the wire. And the Eagles, on the other hand, were kind of like, hey, we thrive on this. You know, mm-hmm. This is where we succeed. Right. They went and, through a whole piece of postseason. Yes. Yeah. So, um, it seemed like that last play, too, you mentioned Trubisky kind of took a shot to the end zone and it kind of just seemed like a wasted play. I agree. They could have ran up the middle, get at least three, four yards because Jordan Howard's pretty good at that. Or even if you want to get tricky, run some kind of misdirection to Tariq Cohen and watch him, you know, watch him do something out in the open field and maybe get some more yards to make that a more comfortable field goal. But nonetheless, it sucks for Cody Parkey. You know, hopefully. It is what it is, man. Buffalo yeah. Bills fans lived through that shit four times in the 90s. Yeah, mental wide health. Right, hopefully wide he's right, all right. Wide you know? left, yeah. <laughs> I know he was getting a lot of death threats, and that's just yeah, that's a, a little uncalled for. You know, it's a sport at the end of the day, like you said, best in one of our podcasts. The sun will rise and shine again. Yeah. You know, it's not it really, always going to be down. You can't be so hard on a kicker, you know. It's like you said, can't let it come down to that if you're Exactly. Asleep. And you know what? Got to give credit. Class move on Parky's end on answering mm-hmm. and facing the media because mm-hmm. how many guys would have wanted to turn away or would have turned away and just been like you know what I want time to myself or I mm-hmm. don't want to deal with this 
this bullshit. But no, he stood, faced the music, and I think any Chicago Bears fans out there, I think you kind of have to tip your cap to the kid, man, because that's owning up and taking responsibility. He didn't blame it on the snap, didn't blame it on the holder, not the wind, you know, nothing. He said, I missed it, you know, it wasn't wasn't where it had to be, and that's the life of a kicker, unfortunately. Hopefully, no other kickers in the divisional round, especially next week, um, have to, or this week, I should say. This yeah, this weekend. week. Um, should have to feel that immense amount of pressure. So let's talk picks for the divisional round. Start yeah, with Dallas the matchups. And, yeah, Dallas and the Rams. How, who do you like? The matchups this weekend are the Colts and Chiefs, the Cowboys at Rams on Saturday, then on Sunday the Chargers at Patriots, the Eagles at Saints. I'll start with the Colts and Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to win that game. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a little bit more higher scoring than a lot of people think. I think I'm going to go Chiefs 37-30. But I think if there, there's, there's a good chance that the Colts will win, and I said this earlier. But if the Colts do win, I think they're going to go on to the Super Bowl. And I said this in the preview podcast. They're a very dangerous team, and especially how the defense played last week against the Texans. I mean, shoot, if they can stop the Chiefs' high-powered offense, I think that bodes well and they can stop anybody. Well, well absolutely. Um, but I think your true testament is New Orleans right now. I think they've got the best offense in the playoffs. But between the Colts and the Chiefs, I do agree with you. I think it will be a shootout, much like uh, the Rams and Chiefs game was for Monday night. It will it be that ridiculous of a score? I most certainly hope hope not, because I don't for a divisional round. I don't think you want to see that. I, I don't want to see a shootout. Okay, I kind of want to see uh, two defensive, two good defensive teams. I, I'll I would even take a a sixteen fifteen score like the Bears Eagles game. Where to be honest, because that game was exciting. What was it a little boring? Yes, but you understood why it was boring because those mm-hmm. two of the best defenses. You know, the Eagles kept that game alive defensively alive for as long as they could mm-hmm. and I have a feeling that if the Chiefs kind of jump out to an early uh, lead out on the Colts I think their defense is going to keep them on par but all I'm going to say to all the viewers listening and anyone that's anyone don't sleep on Andrew Luck mm-hmm. I feel Andrew Luck is being overlooked by the crop of quarterbacks that are currently in the playoffs right now and I feel it's a damn shame because Andrew Luck's performance against the Texans showcase hey man this dude still got it he made a few outside shoulder throws that just looked Man, it, I had to replay them. That's mm-hmm. how nice they were. I rewinded it on my TV and just wanted to see how perfect placement between two defenders split, you know, split defensive backs. And it's just, like, he's still got that touch, man. He's, he's, I think he's, he's online to be on par with Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers and the likes. So I like Colts in a close game, 28-24, my final score. On the Saturday night game, just about 30 minutes up the road from where we're at right now, the Cowboys will take on the Rams at the Los Angeles Coliseum. The Rams entered this game kind of limping into the playoffs, two and three in their last five games of the regular season, or excuse me, three and two, where the Cowboys have won seven of their last eight, going back to week 10. They had a really clutch victory against the Seahawks in the wild card round. I'm going to go Rams still, though. I think I think they have the talent on defense and offense to put it together. I think Sean McVay went the bye. He knows what to expect now with the Cowboys. I think he's going to prep, because I think Sean McVay is a guy who's all about preparation. and I don't think they're going to be unprepared. You saw how they were last year. They kind of got a little bit of happy feet. They had some turnovers that really put them out of the game early against the Falcons last season in the playoffs. But I think the Rams are going to execute on all cylinders. They're going to get that run game going with Todd Gurley. And I think they win the game against the Cowboys in a low-scoring game. I'm going to say 20-13. to 13. Wow, 20-13 for such a powerful offense that the Rams had. The Cowboys have a really good defense, though. We saw them limit. Weak secondary. We saw, we, they do have a weak secondary. And that, that's what's going to be problematic. But the, the run game is a huge part of the Rams' offense. If the Cowboys can slow that down, the, run, the oh, pass game. I thought you were game. going a different. I thought you were going a total because the Rams' Achilles heel is the run game. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen that multiple times this season, um, especially with the Bears when they played the Bears. But that's a whole other mm-hmm. uh, 
topic to discuss. But essentially, get back to this matchup. Um, I think Dallas's secondary is too weak to keep up with the uh, plethora of wide receivers that the Rams have. I mean, for Christ's sake, Robert Woods could has a potential to bust out. Um, of course, I'm drawing a blank. One. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has a chance to bust out. Uh, it was that Higby kid. Um, Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby. Oh, thank you. Look at that. Um, is they all have potentials to kind of bust out, and if you can't cover the secondary, and Goff is protected as well as he's been protected all season long, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like a field day for Goff to kind of sit back and just pick them apart surgically, move down the field in 20, 30-yard increments and put up seven every time. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a lot of faith in Dallas, and I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go Rams 42. And I, you know what? i got to give some love to Dallas because they're, they're going to score 42-35. Okay. So going to the Sunday morning game, the Chargers take on the Patriots in Foxborough. Chargers kind of had a sloppy game, but they were able to grind out that victory against the Ravens and the Patriots. Didn't have the best of years this year. They kind of, you know, they got the first round by, but we can all agree that the Patriots didn't look as good. Gronkowski definitely looks on his last year. Brady missed a lot of throws. Edelman was out half the season. I think it's going to be a closer game. The Chargers are a very dangerous team. I, I got to give a lot of props to their defensive scheme. I think the Chargers come out on top this week. I know it's hard to bet against Tom Brady, but I hate the Patriots. I don't think they're that good this year. So I'm going to go Chargers 30, Patriots 26. I like that score, but if anything, I'd go 28-26 because I feel it's going to come down to – we talked about field goals. I think it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last or maybe – And the Chargers finally have a good field goal kicker this year. <laughs> Hallelujah. God damn. Alec, if you're listening. <laughs> um, the Chargers have been fun to watch. i got to tell you that. Two most enjoyable teams I've been – this season, in my opinion, that I've seen on TV have been the Rams and the Chargers, which have kind of made me have some kind of interest mm. in NFL football. But with that in mind, though, um, I don't know, man. To play in Foxborough is hard. Mm-hmm. To doubt Brady at home is hard. If this were in StubHub Center, I, 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 feel, <laughs> I would feel a lot more confident. It's still being a away game for the Chargers, uh, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I would still feel more confident giving the Chargers the nod. But to win in Foxborough, I think Phillip Rivers is on some kind of He's on a path destined to mm-hmm. reach the Super Bowl, I think. And I think it's going to be a Chargers-Saints Super Bowl. Okay, so the score? Oh, yeah, didn't even tell you the score. Uh, For the Patriots? Uh, 28-14. Okay. Chargers win. A lot of close games. If you notice, my scores, um, I want close games. I don't want blowouts. I well, I think everyone does. I don't well, think yeah, everyone but, expects a blowout. Yeah, but I also don't want to see a 52-50. Like, I don't want to see that. We're in the divisional <laughs> oh, round of the low playoffs. Oh, you mean low-scoring games. Yeah, low-scoring. Yeah, you mean low-scoring. You said close games. Oh, yeah, low-scoring close games. That's okay. what I want. I don't want blowouts. I don't want high-scoring blowouts or high-scoring close games. Those those are not, not in the playoffs. And so the Sunday afternoon game, the, new, the Philadelphia Eagles, excuse me, at the New Orleans Saints. This is going to be a game between... Two, I think I think they're going to be two very good quarterbacks. I think defensively the Saints have the advantage. I think they're the best team. But you can't keep, you know, a lot of people joked around about Fitz magic, and we talked about a lot of other magic in different sports. But I think you can't doubt Foles' magic. I think it's going to be a closer game. I think the Saints will still come out on top because it's hard to go to the Mercedes Superdome and Nowlands. win that game. So I think the Saints will come out on top by a score of 33-26. to 26. They're only about a one-score game. The Eagles will be able to keep up, but I think defensively, Drew Brees will pick apart that Eagles defense, and the Saints defense can come up big on a few plays and stop New Orleans. 40, or, excuse me, stop Eagles. 42-36 is my prediction. Mm-hmm. New Orleans is going to win. But you want to know what really angers me about Nick Foles? He wasn't even that good at Arizona. Does, does you, anyone remember that kid? At, like, thank you. Thank that's what was beautiful about the story, though. He wasn't a high It's not recruit. beautiful. No, the dude looks ugly. I don't like this man, okay? Mm. And I don't You're like him. You're just a hater. You know how what? Do you not, I am. How I do you am. not like the underdog? 
Because underdogs are Man. stupid and they usually lose. That's why. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Vegas makes money off of Bama and not fucking <laughs> Citadel when Bama plays oh Citadel. Oh my gosh. Okay. okay. All right. But all jokes aside, all jokes aside, dude, it's going to be a gunslinger. That's the one gunslinging match we have, like, in the playoffs because, dude, Drew Brees lets it rip. And first off, Drew Brees doesn't get the credit he deserves, but mm-hmm. that's an entire rant separate. Um, Drew Brees and company alongside Alvin Kamara, who probably auto no. Yeah, he's a rookie. Kamara. Yeah, no, no, but no, he's not a rookie. No, no, Gosh, no. no, okay, no, but he's balling out. Alvin Kamara is balling out, and um, I think just to to win in this, I think what what really gives the Saints the edge. You're talking about this Nick Fold magic bullshit. The Mercedes Benz uh, Super Bowl or Super Dome is super hard to play in. Yes, like no pun intended. So I mean, that's I think home field advantage gives the Saints well an advantage <laughs> so like I said <laughs> final yeah. score 42-36 Saints win and um, hopefully it's good playoff matchups you know I, I'm not I'm not gonna be a couch potato for no bad games man. Mm-hmm. I hope so don't make me get up NFL I'll turn the channel off Goodell hurt your ratings yo no Alvarez here with the Podfathers podcast hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Jacob Fanshawe Again, we are on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, so be sure to like, share, follow us, and give us a subscription wherever you may listen to your podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and as always, have a wonderful weekend. Until next time.